Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Michiana's sports leader, 96.1 FM WSBT presents the Irish Illustrated Hour. Featuring the writers from irishillustrated.com, Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. Plus WSBT Radio's Sean Styers. It's time to talk Notre Dame athletics on the Irish Illustrated Hour. <laughs> we'll make the sausage to start things off. Our producer Garrett asked me right before we went on, red, blue, or green? And I said blue, not knowing. And essentially... We didn't have an intro that has everyone's name, and this is the first time that all three guys from Irish Illustrated are here. Pete Sampson, of course, he's he's been on his world tour and getting suntanned and all that kind of stuff, but he's back along with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. Great to have all you guys in here tonight, guys. Thank you. Crowded Thanks, house tonight. I appreciate the introduction. Apparently, I needed it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and a few weeks. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It has. And uh, we're uh, wrapping up. Spring football, the uh, Irish Illustrated Radio Hour brought to you by the Skillet Restaurant and Catering, the true tailgating headquarters, the Skillet Restaurant and Catering.com. And uh, this is the last show of the spring. What's in the works? We're not exactly sure, but we're working on more down the road anyway. So we've had a good run this spring and, and hopefully looking forward to more coming up in the very near future with these guys. It's a good thing we had a uh, nine-week spring practice. Worked out fine <laughs> for everybody had more shows. We really got to work it, right? <laughs> Stretch it out, the whole thing. So uh, that's that's Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson. You heard from Tim Priester uh, sitting alongside as well. You will hear Testing from him. That's right. You'll hear from him yeah, very shortly. Well, let's just jump right into it, guys, because we've got a lot to get to here in uh, – in this hour. So spring football began back in early March, took a week off for spring break, kind of like O'Malley said, started uh, nine weeks ago and then came back fast and furious, concluded over the weekend with the blue gold game. So to start off with Brian Kelly, he, he kind of talked a good game during spring practice. So do you think that all that stuff that we've been hearing about now is going to stick? Yeah, I think there are some parts that will some parts that probably won't, but I, I think that when it comes to the defense being more learnable and likable and players can play fast and, you know, you hear from Drew Tranquil a little bit. And I think these guys, for the lack of maybe raw material that they have, I think the teaching aspect of Mike Elko on that side of the ball is something that will stick. I think the thing that I'm curious to see if, if it does stick and I'm not quite sure is the whole Brian Kelly CEO <laughs> macro approach because he's been an offensive fingerprint guy his whole career. I I really want to see in the fall, and that's not something you're going to answer in April, if they run into diversity, if they lose to Georgia, is Brian Kelly going to want to jump back into that and then maybe take play calling away from Chip Long? It's one thing in the blue-gold game to see him kind of out there on the field and stuff, but it was just, wasn't it odd at times seeing him 
the defensive end of the field, for example, just in parts of the field that you're not used to seeing him? Well, we kind of saw him there all spring. And, and I have to say, what Samson just said is exactly what I think. <laughs> I mean, the one I do think that the, the Elko line of communication will continue, and that'll be a real positive for the defense. The warm and fuzzy Brian Kelly with the team... <laughs> Um, and I don't, I don't say that to be critical or to be negative. I just know my emotions uh, back in my coaching days were such that you are who you are. And I think Brian Kelly is who he is personality-wise. It's a good thing that he's done what he's done. It was certainly needed within the team. But I think as the season approaches, that becomes a little bit more difficult. And just your, your general makeup and your emotions end up coming forth in game situations. I can't blame him if things go wrong if he tries to get back in with the offense, but wrong doesn't mean second and seven against Georgia in the second quarter. That's not wrong. I, I'm, I'm, you know, you're not, a guy's not going down with it. He's not going to just sink, but he I needs patience because I don't think anybody should be more impressed by what Chip Long kind of brought in a short no, amount of time. And if, if you're a fan that likes running the football as kind of the staple and throwing the ball down the field as a result of it, it's, that's what it seems like we're going to get. But as you guys said, who knows once the Bulls go live. Somebody said on uh, Irish Illustrated Message Board, they said that Chip Long looked like a head coach. I agree with that. I mean, that, that's, how, that's how he has struck me this spring as a guy that carries himself like I, what is he, 33, 34? 33, I mean, he's, yeah. he's a more mature 33, 34-year-old guy. He looks to me like a head coach in waiting and coaches to me like a head coach in waiting. Yeah, I think that he's a guy that if things go well, he'll be moving on like Mike Sanford was maybe after a couple seasons. But it's it's interesting to talk to the players about Chip Long and people close to their players, and they really rave about this guy. And I, I thought he comes out as kind of even keel, easygoing, kind of southern southern guy. Yeah. From, in uh, practice, Birmingham, real intense, right? like fired up. The tight ends love it because um, he is up in their business all the time. So he's been, I think, a real hit, not only in schematically and pace of play, but just personality-wise around the program too. So I think that he's got he's got the whole package. And when you, the, sorry, Sean. On the, other, on the other side of the ball, I do think Brian Kelly will. will it'll just be the macro approach there. He's not going to get down and dirty, no matter what he said about how much the defense likes having him around. This is Elko, and I think it took him probably three practices to watch how he operates and know I don't have to have a fingerprint in everything that happens here. Yeah, I mean, he spent, what, four months learning Mike Elko's system? How long has Mike Elko spent learning Mike Elko's system? (laughs) (laughs) When you talk about warm and fuzzy, though, Priester, I mean... We saw it the last open practice before the Blue Gold game, but Brian Kelly was anything but warm and fuzzy, and Harry Heastan, for that matter, that day, too. But he doesn't have to be warm and fuzzy. No, and, and that probably isn't the right term. He's just more involved in, in everything that they're doing. But, right. You know, but at the end of the day, he's the guy that has to put his foot down, and he will, uh, you know, obviously. But I don't, I don't think that's going to be a, an uncomfortable uh, adjustment or change. I just don't think that... He can he can stand by that that personality throughout the process. We uh, have seen a lot of different changes. Did you have something? Yeah, I was just going to say, if of all the changes, I think one of the most important one on top of Matt Bayless is the fact that when you talk to Drew Tranquil, he says players are playing for Brian Kelly now in a way that that's they weren't awesome. in the past. That is a that's a huge change that's awesome. and really can carry you through an off season and, and probably through a season as that, well. That's huge. And the other thing that you know, the other thing that I think will stick, and and Pete just mentioned Bayless. I mean his. You know, his degree, his standards will definitely be upheld throughout the summer. Changed defensively as well. And Drew Tranquil, after the Blue Gold game the other day, talked a little bit about the change in the new defensive system. 
Um, guys are able to play fast. It's simplified in a way that guys just need to know their job. They don't need to know the entire schematics of, you know, what the field corner, what the outside linebacker D-line is doing. They have to know their job and they have to execute it. So it's allowing guys to play free and play fast. Didn't it just look like a different comfort level, different confidence level in those it guys? certainly looked like a different Drew Tranquil. Yeah, I mean, that's... that guy, uh, he probably had the best blue goal game of maybe anybody out there. And I had a coach sort of tell me off to the side, like, they think that he could be an All-American in the system, and that was before the Blue Gold game. I was like, okay, yeah, sure, an All-American. And then you go out there and watch it, and he puts that spin move on Quentin Nelson, who's a first-round pick or a second-round pick next year, and Nelson can't even get a fingertip to his jersey. There's some really special things happening with him, and you can see it, but they have a lot of young guys playing on defense, so it needs to be pretty easy to grasp. But I, I think Elko has sort of hit that right level of complexity yet, you just have to know your job, then go do it. And we talked about where there could be defensive struggles. Linebacker's not going to be one of them. Because if right. with Drew Tranquil breaking out, Niles Morgan, it was very good last year. He's going to be very good again this year. If Greer Martini is your third best linebacker, you're in business. Because they also have two backups we think that can play in Tavon Coney and Asmar Bilal. So the linebacker group is not only good, good in terms of starting, but they have enough depth in two guys for those three spots. And I think that, that that's a position of strength going into August. Tranquil... His performance in the Blue Gold game, I don't think, was a surprise. Number one, we said when we heard, you know, Mike Elko rover position, we all immediately said Drew Tranquil is perfect for that. Secondly, when he was a freshman, he was a difference maker up on the line of scrimmage. So I think, not that I, not that I anticipated any of the coaches saying he has All American ability, but he absolutely can be a playmaker up there. And I and I do much like James Onwalu last year. I think. He has a great chance to lead the team in tackles for loss. I don't know about sacks, but tackles for loss. He's going to be very active on the edge of the line of scrimmage. And when we look at all of this this reinvention, all these different changes, and we've seen it on both sides of the ball and, and organizationally in the whole thing, what are the, 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 the big bullet points? Which are the ones that we're going to be talking about in the heart of the season, September and October? Stuff that I saw in spring ball that I think will carry over just like from an X and O's or a personal standpoint, I think that the height, size, mass of the offensive skill position players will be one that will carry the day. Um, on the flip side, I think that what Brandon Wimbush got to do on Saturday was a real positive because like Brian Kelly sort of bristled at the notion they didn't play well. The whole, the whole game was set up for Brandon Wimbush to go out there and, and put mistakes on tape so then he could learn from them in the offseason. I think Wimbush is just good enough of a passer to be very effective down the field, but not quite good enough that you're going to put the offense on his right arm and have him try to win a game for you with 37 pass attempts. So I like... Everything about Wimbush, including some of the things he needs to work on. So I think those are two things I think are really going to sort of carry into the season. I thought he played well Saturday. You know, I mean, there are a couple instances. One time he checked, he ran a read option. He faked it and ran right into Dalen Hayes. Um, I presume that that's on him. You know, the, the tricky thing about the blue goal game is he's in a red jersey. He knows it. He knows he can't be hit. So is he going to hang in on all of those downfield passes or in a game situation, is going is he going to take off? I think he's going to take off, but by hanging in on each one of those strong pass rushes and throwing throwing the pass downfield, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in a situation where um, it, that might not be the, the wisest choice. So I think it's a little bit deceptive what we saw with, with the uh, rules and standards of the game, but I thought he performed very, very well. For me, a 
what to take away from the spring, and you'll see during the season is a macro level of they're not going to be the weaker team on the field in November as they have been. They have had, poor, other than 2012, it has been a struggle in November for this team, and obviously it's bottomed out twice with an 0-4 and 14 and 14 whatever it was last year, 1-3 and three last year. But I would think that this their rededication to themselves and the commitment to everything is going to continue with Matt Bayless in charge. They'll be a better tackling team. I think we, I mean, they couldn't be, they couldn't be much worse than the way they started last season. It, it leveled out when they made a change of coordinator. I think they will be a better tackling team. Doubts, maybe I shouldn't have doubts about Temple being maintained offensively. But I, but and I, and I know Chip Long's here, and so it's different. But we've heard that before about Tempo, and it seems to diminish as the game goes on. Maybe Tempo isn't exactly what the offense needs when you consider what issues there are on the defensive side of the ball. Tempo kind of changes, too, if you're running the ball more, which they didn't necessarily do a lot of on last Saturday. Yeah, and that's one of the things with Wimbush when I say the whole game was designed basically to have them Good, bad, and different. Just put everything on tape. If you sort of factor sacks as pass plays, because those they are, it was right. almost like a three to one pass right. to run ratio. So that game was not designed for a you know Temple or Georgia. And if you be- take Chip Long at his word that I'm a run first play caller to set up the play action pass game, they were just skipping to the p- play action yeah, pass. That's uh, right. It's going to be a lot different <laughs> in September. I think the run first play caller is the, is when we go circle back to what will Brian Kelly stay even keeled when yeah. things are going wrong. That that's when you find out if they can't run the ball, are they throwing it ninety percent of the time or are they just throwing it sixty percent of the time in a, in a in a game situation? Right. Irish Illustrated Hour ninety six one FM WSBT. One of the guys along with Drew Tranquil who had a big game Saturday was Dalen Hayes, and we've mentioned the word Matt Bayless over the last few minutes, and Hayes had some things to say after the game, after the blue-gold game, about the Matt Bayless effect. Uh, like, I remember my first time uh, watching film, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, I live, like, you know what I'm saying? I live, like, quicker, like, more twitching than I did when I was I definitely, that, I mean, that was definitely, um, you always put in work, but to actually be able to go back and look at it and see how it's affected the game has been used. So, for sure, Bayless, Coach Bayless has, has worked wonderful. And I kind of just repeating the chorus a little bit of an echo chamber from the players but it is good to hear it from all of them and we obviously saw some really good things from Dalen Hayes well it's a it's a great sign when a guy looks at film of himself and says wow that's that's pretty good I'm better yeah. than I was I, I think that's a good sign again blue goal game one of 15 practices some of what we saw on Saturday a little bit deceiving Dalen Hayes probably isn't going to dominate a game like that um you know I I think that the defense, I think Elko threw more things at the offensive line than they were prepared to adjust for or to in the blue gold game. Not that they couldn't, but I don't think that that was an emphasis for them. So, uh, you know, a little bit deceiving, but bottom line, Dalen Hayes, re- really, really important to this team and this defense. Yeah, I mean, they they have to do so much better, really, on both lines um, in terms of conditioning and strength and stamina. Um, you know, you look at Alex Bars last year, there's so much more potential in that body than maybe was able to get out there last year. And certainly on the defensive side, Jerry Tillery, he's sort of that fully committed Jerry Tillery that the coaching staff has wanted. Um, you know, you hear behind the scenes that that's happening. Now, is that going to happen all summer and through camp and and? into the season i don't know but they need and jonathan bonner would be another good example they just need guys to have great 
great summers on both lines, and it starts with Matt Bayless. Bonner needs to be bigger, and Daniel Cage needs to be smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Who are some other players? We've talked about Tranquil and, and Hayes, really, specifically. Who are some other players you, that you guys think have really benefited from a lot of these changes that we've talked about? I'm going to go under the radar a little. You said Hayes. Jay Hayes has had a very good spring, and the three of us have been kind of wondering why he couldn't find some slice of playing time the last two years. I think you know it's hard for a kid to put it all together off the field, but, but last year it's puzzling that Jay Hayes wasn't on the field more as, as everything was going wrong. Jay Hayes looks, he's always looked like a football player. He looks like he's ready to have a solid season, and he's a senior. He, he should be. He has two years left, but this, is, this would be a time for him to break out. I know that's not a guy you immediately think of, but he just kept getting better all spring. Yeah, there's no question. That's a guy in a great interview, too, so a big bonus for uh, <laughs> us in the media. Yeah, guys, I think benefited from the system. Alize Mack is going to benefit a ton. Uh, I think he would have played regardless of who the offensive coordinator was, but to play as a second tight end with Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin potentially and Durham Smythe, somebody who just sort of does everything well, maybe you know, not your, your prototypical NFL future tight end, but that's just a lot of size to put out there. And Alize Jones as the second tight end, in theory the defense is trying to match size for size there. That may work to their disadvantage, and I think Alize Mack, Alize Mack is going to probably take advantage of that quite a bit. Nick Wisher probably, uh, you know, benefits yeah, greatly could. from Chip Long's offense because there are two tight ends on the field frequently. So, and in, you know, instead of it being, um, you know, just Smith with with Mack, although Mack is, it's funny still saying to call him Mack. We just start we we just start saying it Saturday. Um, you know, Mack will line up like a whiteout. So uh, I, I think there's more room for Wisher. Nobody's benefited more from a coordinator change than Nick Coleman because Nick Coleman was going to be buried at cornerback, and all of a sudden he's he was starting free or uh, starting safety all spring. That might be good. That might that might that might be yeah that might be good still still it's finding a role for a, it's finding a role for a guy. Yeah. But you you I mean it's new life for the kid. He would yeah it's great for him. He was he was third he was a at best third string quarter right and then there's five guys they have speaking of which there's a position of strength quarterback but with Sean Crawford announcing this week that he is fully healthy I mean that's far eh? he is his recuperative powers are out of this world for a guy that's <laughs> tearing his Achilles tearing his ACL yeah. getting back on the field yeah, as as Todd Light predicted to me on National Assignment, it was like he said you or I would be out for two years <laughs> well we, and, and we Sean's saw just like no problem and we saw Tranquil bounce back from two of them yeah. I, I you know I think being a smaller athlete helps certainly uh we saw Jerron Jones go through the Liz Frank foot injury and that took forever uh, maybe that's part Jerron Jones. Maybe it's because he's 320 pounds. But the the it seems like the smaller the better. And modern medicine. I mean, guys are bouncing back from ACLs. You don't hear Achilles too much, but guys are certainly bouncing back from ACLs quicker. When you look at Jerry Tillery, and when we talk about the Matt Bayless effect and and all of that stuff, do you, do you still look at him as a guy who has? I don't know if upside is the right word, but still just a, a ways to go can still get to a lot higher level. Yeah, I, you know, if you want to say it's upside or ceiling or, or whatever, there's a gap, a big gap between Jerry, Jerry Tillery today and where Jerry Tillery could be down the road. And Notre Dame needs the could be Jerry Tillery this right. fall because you watch him run around. I've been, I've been a fan of Tillery since high school. I saw him at some combines and camps and, he just has a, a flexibility that six foot six guys don't have, um, and so if he locks in and 
can be aggressive in the sort of Jerry Tiller that we saw against Michigan State, that would be an example of a game that he played really well, great. But Notre Dame needs Michigan State Jerry Tillery for about eight or nine weekends. You mentioned the word gap. There's also a gap between Jerry Tillery's talent level and the rest of the defensive tackles, and he needs to yes. be the difference maker there because then everybody else, if they reach solid, helps out Jerry Tillery if he can be way more than that. Well, they need him. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, I'm just a doubter until I, until I see it. It's not a matter of physical capabilities. He has great length. He has everything that he needs athletically. It's... You know, I mean, commitment, uh, desire to be great as a football player, I, I haven't seen that yet. Real quick, before we have to take our first break, biggest concern each of you guys have on the offensive side of the ball? You know, right tackle for me. I uh, thought Tommy Kramer struggled a little bit. I mean, I, I guess probably all three of our answers because the rest <laughs> of the offense what, looks great. So we're not alone. We're yeah, all thinking the no, same yeah, thing. Definitely all three of our answers. So really, that's that's pretty much... Sort of the glaring thing to come out of Saturday, yep, anyway, right? Depth everywhere else, right? I mean, Ian, we we walked a couple of weeks ago. We probably all thought Ian Book could win you a game if Wimbush gets hurt in the second quarter. Now I think he could win you a game or two if he had to start and they game plan for him. So I think they have depth but at every other position. I, I'm not sure because I just did a story today rating the positions and looking at depth. Um, the depth on the offensive line, really. I mean, are, are you are you really ready to play Hodge and Ruland? No, that's the and, one you know, spot. That, right. Yeah, I mean, across, I thought you were just talking about no, right tackle. Sure. But, um, you know, maybe. I'm just throwing this out there. And, I, and I, I said all along that I think Alex Bars' best position is guard. But maybe you move Alex Bars back to right tackle and have Kramer play right guard. I think that might be the best way to maximize those two, even though I think you help Kramer that way. You take a little bit away from Bars, but Bars st- started 12 games there last year. Right, exactly. All right, so it is 7:27. When we return, some interesting MVP awards that the Irish Illustrated guys are going to hand out, including the Brady Quinn MVP. There are more. Justin Tuck MVP, Junior Javi MVP. Are you intrigued? I am. Can't wait to hear what they have to say. Irish Illustrated Hour with... Tim Priester, Pete Sampson, Tim O'Malley. I'm Sean Steyers from WSBT. We will uh, do all that and more when we return on Michiana Sports Leader 96.1 FM WSBT. This is the Irish Illustrated Hour on Michiana's Sports Leader 96.1 FM WSBT. Featuring the writers from irishillustrated.com, Tim Priester and Pete Sampson. Plus, WSBT Radio's Sean Styers. 7.32, and of course, Tim O'Malley in as well. Irish Illustrated Hour again. Apologize. We, did, we don't have all three of them on, a, uh, on one of our carts, so maybe we need to do that <laughs> next time, assuming we're coming back at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've had a, a great time doing it this spring, and... Uh, Looking at the spring, we've been talking about the blue-gold game and and spring and and a lot of observations. And something we're going to do right now, we're going to hand out some MVP awards of different sorts. And uh, this should be fun. Pete, is this your brainchild? Sure, yeah. I'll utter. So the first one is the the Brady Quinn MVP, and that's a MVP that might actually be an MVP during the season (laughs) because I think Brady Quinn uh, may have won multiple MVPs of the Blue Gold game, and those uh, seem to be somewhat prophetic. Good designator. Yeah. So, Priester, why don't you lead us off on that one? 
Uh, Josh Adams. I, I, I think. I, I mean, I love what Josh Adams uh, ha, has done. That what he did this spring, being fully healthy. I think his first quarter run right at the start of the game epitomized what he's capable of doing. He had a beautiful jump cut at the line of scrimmage, elude a tackler, broke a tackle, and then you know bowled his way into the end zone with three of the better defenders hanging on to him. I, I, you know, he's rushed for almost eighteen hundred yards in two years, and a healthy Josh Adams is a great really a great college running back. There's only so many MVP level guys on a team that can really win the MVP, and Josh Adams probably would have been my choice too, but I'm going to go with a guy that has zero career touchdowns and a lot of fanfare because if he is healthy, Alizé Mack will have a great year for Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I also went Josh Adams on this one, so you're wrong, O'Malley. <laughs> uh, the Justin Tuck MVP was for a breakout performer. He won the MVP at, in 2003 and then really came on the next two years. The breakout performer who actually will be a breakout performer in the fall. In honor of Justin Tuck, Dalen Hayes. Yeah, I'm on that. Yeah, I'm I, on that. Ma- I, maybe because they need it as much as, <laughs> as anything. Yeah, well, and plus of what you saw on Saturday because you, you, you're certainly encouraged. Let's hear real quick, since you brought up Dalen Hayes, and I thought that might come up here. Let's talk about, or let's hear from him about facing Mike McGlinchey in practice this spring. Here's what he had to say after the Blue-Gold game. It makes me better. It makes me better every day. And I, and I, just love, I love it. I love competing with a guy because, you know what I'm saying, you go and do that with a guy and practice every day. When the game scenario comes, it's like second nature. It's like, like it's second nature. It's, it's really just like um, you can do this in practice and you can definitely do this in whatever. And, of course, in the blue-gold game, Dalen Hayes was lined up more against Tommy Kramer, and that's what everyone brought up as their big concern for the offense now as we head toward the season. So, the question I have is, okay, is Kramer that much of a concern or is Dalen Hayes that good? Has he made that much progress that he made Kramer look like maybe more of a concern than he is? Yeah, Dalen Hayes, you look at his sacks, the first one in particular, and I believe the, the third one, he's just unblocked. Um, so That's true, it, too. I mean, the first one, either Wimbush <laughs> has to realize that Dalen Hayes is unblocked or Tommy Kramer has to not double-team somebody else and leave Dalen Hayes unblocked. So it's you look at Kramer, he's the youngest guy of that group. He's supremely talented. Harry Heastan raves about him. They also rave about Liam Eikenberg. But we're going to measure them against Mustafer and Bars and Nelson and McGlinchey. So, of course, the guy who hasn't played any football at all is going to look like a, a bit of a weak link there because he's got the most room to grow. But uh, I, I, I do agree with what Priester said that if you flip Bars and Kramer, are you maybe better off for the season, even if Bars, even if they're both really right guards? Yeah, I think you might maximize that situation best. I really didn't. Kramer didn't play as poorly as people are depicting, but there are, of course, a handful of plays that stick out in your mind. And, sure. And you ignore every time he squared somebody up and held his own and was powerful as a run blocker. He's an, He is a good run blocker. He's a powerful run, run blocker, which is why... I think he's more of a guard, but but the same is true of, of Bars. But there's a lot to work with there. I mean, the kid hasn't played it down. He has four years of eligibility, as does Eichenberg. So there's great promise with those two young guys. Let's move on to the junior jabby MVP, the spring performance that we'll forget about once the season starts. Yeah, maybe this season and every other season <laughs> beyond it, unfortunately. Um, this is a tough one. 
I kind of went with Sam Kohler just because he's a walk-on, oh, kick. he's a walk-on oh. kicker. And when Justin Yoon returns, we probably will be talking a lot about Sam Kohler. But I thought he had an excellent spring. It's just I don't see where the opportunity is for him to do anything moving forward. But full credit to him for he had a good opportunity in Notre Dame Stadium. Priester wrote this on our website. Like, he came in, looked good, looked comfortable. So... Sam Collar, props to you. I, I didn't think of him. I was looking offense and defense. But here's a guy that comes in and uh, walks into Notre Dame Stadium, 20,000 people there, goes 5 for 5 on extra points, hits a 42 and 46 yard field goal. I mean, that, that, that's some guts coming in there and, and performing like that. And we saw glimpses of him earlier in the spring, and he performed then too. So you don't know if Justin Yoon will be healthy in the fall. You don't know whether Jonathan Doerr will be ready to come in and kick. As a freshman, they may need Sam Kohler. He's not my pick, but <laughs> for the junior job, I, I had a difficult time with this, and I don't have an exact comparison because I think Dexter Williams is going to be a good football player, but he led in rushing. He looked really, really good. We've seen flashes of him before, but in the first two years, and I realize he was an underclassman, but in the first two years, he didn't really stand out. So I guess that would be uh, my fit for this, this uh, so-called award. I go along those lines, too. A guy I think will be fine, but not leading the team right. in receiving. I, I think with Equimania State Brown and Alizé Mack oh. and Chase Claypool on the team and Chris Fink and Kevin Steverson that Miles Boykin isn't going to be mm. five, six, seven catches all the time. I think he's a really good player. I think he could be the most improved player. But there's a lot of good receivers on this team, so I don't think you'll get that from him. And Sam Kohler will make us eat our words Ooh. with the game-winning field goal. At some point, Ooh, well, I think he's, big, if he gets on the field, field, field goal, <laughs> there's injuries <laughs> at Notre Dame. Yeah, there's injuries in this world. <laughs> All right, the next one is the Harrison Smith MVP award. If you remember, hopefully you don't, but he won the MVP in the 2008 Blue Gold game, which I think at what point he moved to linebacker. Um, so this is for the player who looked really good. We're probably not going to hear a whole lot from the season, but you think actually could be outstanding long haul, just not this season. I like Troy Pride all spring, and I liked Asmar Bilal all spring, and I don't think either one of them could win a starting job this year. So that's where I go on that note. There's some lower lower roster guys, but I, I think these two will eventually start at their positions and be very good football players. Yeah, I think those are good picks. I'm going to say Chase Claypool because we all love Claypool, what he brings physically, uh, his competitiveness, whether it's, you know, on coverage teams or, or uh, at receiver. But, you know, O'Malley, if you're saying that Boykin will have a hard time matching, you know, his performance, Claypool's going to, he's just going to have a difficult time getting, you know, all the reps that, that he needs in order to improve, especially with two tight ends on the field. Isaiah Robertson was my guy. That's a good pick, I too. Think, I think he's going to be very good long haul, and we won't really hear from him this year or maybe even the year after that because of the guys in front of him. So it's, uh, I, of all of the four lead safeties, just physically, just standing oh, no there in a jersey and pads, I think he looks he, the most impressive. You know, he, he, well, first of all, he's long. I mean, he's got a great body for safety. But he and we've seen again. We did this. We we don't like to express opinions just just based upon the blue goal game. We, right. You know, throughout the whole spring, and we saw Isaiah Robertson. He's physical. He's aggressive. Not everybody's going to come into their first blue goal game and be aggressive. Some people are tentative. He was not. I think we might see something from him this year down the line. Because I think there's just a right, danger yeah. at safety this year. That Honorable mention Ade Ogundeje, though, for this award. Because I, I felt like he also looked good. Like, you're like, this could, that something might happen there in 2019 uh, or late 2018, but probably not 2017. But full credit to the kid. I mean, he's put on a lot of good weight and looks like. You want a defensive end to look. I mean, if you just lined up Dalen Hayes, Julian O'Quara, and Ade Ogundeje, 
they would all look comparable. You wouldn't see five star, four star, and and three star. Um, so yeah, full credit to that kid. Last of the MVPs, this is a tough one. The Deshaun Kaiser MVP, because if you remember from his blue gold game performance two years ago, he was awful, and then turned out to be a complete revelation and saved the 2015 season. I think he finished like one of three and took two sacks or something like that. I got it transferred like a week later. Right. Um, <laughs> so the guy who really, really struggled on Saturday. But I'm not saying it needs to be a borderline first-round pick in two years. <laughs> we'll lower the bar from that. But somebody you think could be borderline great. Why don't you start to, <laughs> to, to set the, the, the record here? Uh, this, I, I struggled with this one because there, there wasn't any performance that jumped out that, of a guy who really struggled and then I think could be outstanding. So, you know, this, this is going to ruffle Priester's feathers, but I'm going to go Tyler Newsom. Because he, he was he struggled, but I think he's got a chance to be a no, great, like, great punter. I, I, I like Tyler Newsom's a great talent. I just wish he would realize that yeah. all the time. Um, my choice is Jalen Elliott, and he didn't he didn't necessarily struggle all spring. But there's been a question. There certainly was a question all spring about the safeties, and I think Elliott is a guy. I, I mean, I, I like what he did on Saturday. I thought he was aggressive and physical at the line of scrimmage. This is a guy, what I keep hearing in my head is Todd Light talking about Jalen Elliott before he got there and about his commitment to football and what a student of the game he was and what he brought to the field physically. I think Jalen Elliott, maybe maybe this is more hope than, than what we've actually seen. Uh, we, although we did say that he would, he would win the, the battle uh, with him and Devin Studstill at the one safety spot, and he did. I think there's some long-term potential there. I think Liam Eikenberg didn't have a That's great a blue goal game, and I think he'll have a three-year starting career and be a very good player at Notre Dame, but maybe didn't have a great day on Saturday. You had the best pick there, O'Malley. Thanks. That makes up for my LSA Mac pick. Yeah. <laughs> real, real quickly, um, we've talked about a, a lot about both sides of the ball, and, and I asked you guys your your biggest concern on the offensive side of the ball. So flip it back to the defensive side of the ball? Because you addressed some with some of that right there. Your biggest defensive concern that you have? Safety by far. I mean, well, no, not by far. Because interior defensive line needs some work, but I just I like what Jerry Tillery can be. Safety, It's I feel like they just have a ton of development that needs to happen. Tackling, read and recognition. Uh, and I don't see, as Brian Kelly, I think, said in spring practice, nobody is who is 6'3", 215 who runs a 4-5 is walking through that door. They These are the guys they have. Studsill, Elliott, Fertitta, Coleman, Robertson, um, Ashton White is back there. Like They just they have some guys that you just don't really know what they're going to be long haul. So I safety just nudges out interior defensive line for me. Robertson uh, fits those dimensions though, right? 6-3 maybe. He's, he's, probably not, he's probably not 215. But I mean, he, but the, the point's taken that he's a guy that that can be a player. Um, you know, I, Sean, we've talked about this all spring. I mean, you, you want to be strong up the middle. They are strong up the middle at linebacker, but too many question marks at, at defensive tackle slash nose tackle and, and safety. I'd probably give the nod to safety now at the end of spring just because defensive tackle has a guy that could be very, very good this year. It does have considerable playing They experience. have one other guy in Daniel Cage that could be very solid this year. So, you know, I'm concerned about the backups, but... I still think that 
we keep talking about Isaiah Robertson. It's bad that the guy you're hoping can win a job is an early enrollee freshman as opposed to a three-year Jerry Tillery senior cage. Uh, that was the story last year, too. I mean, it was it was early enrollee Devin Studstill. Um, so, yeah, it's it seems like they're sort of, unfortunately, repeating a, a, a vicious cycle there of playing too young at the back end of the defense. 7.45. You may or may not know this, but uh, the NFL draft happens to be tomorrow night. We've talked a lot about Deshaun Kaiser. Everyone's talked a lot about Deshaun Kaiser. We'll talk about him with the first round tomorrow. But got guys like Jerron Jones and Isaac Rochelle who uh, could hear their names called over this weekend as well. We'll talk about that when the Irish Illustrated Hour continues next on Michiana Sports Leader 96.1 FM WSBT. This is the Irish Illustrated Hour on Michiana's Sports Leader, 96.1 FM, WSBT. Featuring the writers from irishillustrated.com, Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley, plus WSBT Radio's Sean Styers. Equal time, Tim Priester got left out that time. We get ready to uh, <laughs> wind down the show. NFL Draft coming up tomorrow night, and uh, Priester was just telling me, during the break, you obviously Deshaun Kaiser is the big one we've been talking about, but you've got a story getting ready to go up, draft related for tomorrow. Yeah, we we do all our NFL stuff with Greg Gabriel. Some people may recognize that name, a near three decade uh, NFL director of college scouting uh, with the Bears, with the Giants. So, you know, this time of year, I'm talking to him quite a bit, and and you know, there are four quarterbacks that that could go in the first round: Deshaun Watson from Clemson, obviously North Carolina's. Mitchell Trubisky, Kaiser, and Texas Tech's Patrick Mahomes. And Gabriel still thinks that uh, Kaiser's going, going to go in the first round. There are a ton of teams with quarterback needs. There are numerous teams with older quarterbacks. Uh, a team like Seattle doesn't have a legitimate backup to Russell Wilson. Uh, and they have the 26th pick. So there are opportunities there, and we've seen many, many times before in NFL drafts. One quarterback goes off the board. And there and they go. A, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, a, like a fantasy football, fantasy baseball draft. A position right. goes, and you, and you start to, to run with it. And Gabriel still believes that at the end of the day, Kaiser is the best prospect of this group. He thinks he has the best long-term ability. Um, you know, I've looked at these other quarterbacks. I think Patrick Mahomes is a very interesting prospect, but I, but I tend to agree with that. And if he doesn't go late first round, I'm sure he'll get snapped up early second round. His comments about, you know, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, I don't know that that necessarily does him any good. But I also don't think that's going to dissuade someone from from picking him in the first round. And does a peril deal with Michael Jordan really just to like, you know? <laughs> Let's, let's go crazy here. <laughs> Got Cam Newton, Tom Brady, and Michael Jordan. When we were at Pro Day, saw Todd Haley, his quarterback's coach. I believe he's the OC for Pittsburgh Steelers. They picked 30th. Right. To me, that would make sense. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser looks like a Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. He would go to a place where he doesn't need to play right away. And he'd sit behind Ben Roethlisberger, who's you know got a few years left. And I think his body type, the way he goes about his business would would fit there uh and it would be a good fit for him developmentally because i think we've we've quickly gone from the deshaun kaiser who thinks he, at the nfl combine i need i should be starting on day one to uh, give it a couple years and, and see how things shake out and so then on saturday good. and on saturday he's talking about aspiring to be like tom brady and cam newton which of course is what he should have said in the first place and you know words are blown out of proportion at the end of the day i mean deshaun kaiser can say and think whatever he thinks of himself. He's right. now a professional 
professional football player. The only the only question I have about Pittsburgh, and I agree, like from Deshaun Kaiser's standpoint, it, it's I, I think Pittsburgh and and Arizona would be two of the most ideal situations that he could have. But when I look at Pittsburgh and even Arizona, if it's the first round, you, you've got these guys who are saying, okay. Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer. I want to get back to the playoffs. Are they going to be? Are you going to have a, a Favre Rogers situation where where the elder statesman there is a little upset because they didn't do something to address a more pertinent need? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could have a um, a situation. And this is unfortunately a terrible example for Deshaun Kaiser. What a team trades up into the first round on top of what they already have there, like Cleveland did with Brady Quinn and Johnny Menzel. So hopefully, <laughs> it'll work out better for Deshaun Kaiser, but. You know, Arizona's at 45 overall in the second round. If Desha- Could Deshaun Kaiser slip to the middle of the second round? Yeah. I mean, that's that's not unreasonable. Um, so, Or maybe Pittsburgh has to trade up to the beginning of the second round to get him, but they still get a, an impact player that can help a team that's trying to, to make it to the Super Bowl. It only matters on your first contract, too. Honestly, he's going to get a chance at one of these places to start very quickly. He'll, be, he'll get a chance to start a football game in 2018 probably unless he goes to it unless he goes to pittsburgh and ben roethlisberger is completely healthy for all, but he won't be completely healthy every game for two years that's just the way he runs it's he's going to get a chance all that matters is the money and he's going to be there so i hope he goes in the first round jerron jones isaac rochelle a couple defensive linemen out there as well how comfortable do we feel about where they might end up Isaac Rochelle played well at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, not a big playmaker, not a guy that necessarily ran real well when he was tested. Uh, probably has to be in a 3-4 defense, which is, I don't know, 17, 18 or so NFL teams. I know, fifth, sixth round, the Bears know him well. Um, they were the staff at the Senior Bowl, so they know him well. They have a pick in the fifth fifth round. Is that a little bit early for Isaac Rochelle? I'm not really sure. I thought I thought going into last year's draft, man, I had guys pegged. This is really, really difficult with Kaiser, with Rochelle. Um, maybe as high as fifth round. Uh, Chicago Gabriel actually said third, maybe fourth. But I think that might be a little high for Rochelle. He might have done that last year, fourth or fifth round. Rochelle had he come out on the heels of yeah. 2015 with a really good year alongside Sheldon Day. Yeah, it's no question. It- I think you look at Rochelle. Ian Williams went undrafted, and I thought Ian Williams had a similarly productive but not spectacular college career. I mean, it doesn't mean Isaac Rochelle can't make it in the NFL. He did get hurt, though. That's Ian Williams point. missed the end of his, his senior year with an injury. So that probably knocked him out of yeah. it because he was a productive guy. Real quick, we got to get into this break, but I'll just go around real quick. Kaiser, in the first round, yes or no? Yes. No. No. I say yes. All right. So we've got a tie. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. Irish Illustrated Hour on 96.1 FM WSBT. This is the Irish Illustrated Hour on Michiana's Sports Leader. 96.1 FM WSBT. Featuring the writers from irishillustrated.com, Tim Priester and Pete Sampson. Plus WSBT Radio's Sean Styers. And Tim O'Malley as well. All three of the Irish Illustrated guys in for this final show of the spring. Irish Illustrated Radio Hour brought to you by the Skillet Restaurant and Catering, the true tailgating headquarters, the Skillet Restaurant and Catering.com. We have less than a minute and a half, but we discovered some hanging chads in the break, and uh, we have we have uh, retotaled our uh, 
our straw poll on whether or not Deshaun Kaiser will go in the first round. Christian Ponder was picked 12th overall. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill was a first-round pick. Who else did we say? E.J. Manuel. E.J. Manuel. Josh Freeman, Joey Harrington. Man, there's uh, Pete and I say well, at least Harrington was a Heisman. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Harrington was a great college player. We are changing our picks, Samson. Yeah, so it's, it's unanimous. Yeah. Deshaun Kaiser will be the first-round pick. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Time. That didn't take long to uh, convince everyone otherwise. Well, well guys, it's been a, a great spring. Any final thoughts before we wrap up tonight? Well, we really enjoyed the opportunity, Sean. And, you know, really looking forward to this upcoming season. I know they're coming off 4-8, and eight, and it was a catastrophe. But, man, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot to be excited about. And I think they raised the bar not thinking about 4-8 anymore. That's the key. Brian Kelly mentioned, you know, he, he said championship contention. That's their goal. That should be the goal. If it, It's not pie in the sky if you just kind of put away 4-8 and eight and can look to improve throughout. For all the, the changes Brian Kelly made, I pretty much love all of them. I mean, it's uh, I think this offseason has reengaged the fan base in a lot of ways. To You want to see what happens. And I think at the end of last season, I'm not sure if everyone felt that way. Tim Priester, Pete Sampson, Tim O'Malley. I'm Sean Stiers, our producer, Garrett Kayser as well. Irish Illustrated Hour on 96.1 FM WSBT.